Welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. We're back with our 11th episode to talk about what's happening in the world of data and data protection. So now that lockdown's easing and we can see things like furlough scheme coming to an end and people gradually returning to the workplace, we wanted to just have a, a chat about the types of data that might be being collected and what employers are being asked to share. We also wanted to pick up on a few news stories that we've seen around sort of more of the popular social media apps like TikTok. And excitingly, we had a couple of um, queries come into our coffee at dbxuk.com email last night, which I think we shall kick off with. Cool, let's go. So apparently last night there was a question on QI about the function that many websites have to try and confirm that it's an actual human user at the end of the computer rather than a bot. And you might have seen it with the I am not a robot tick. Occasionally that will bring up the photos that you then have to decide whether you can see cars and traffic lights and stuff. But sometimes it's just a, a pure tick. Now, interestingly, what came up on QI last night was the fact that both uh, the listeners um, who contacted us didn't realise what that actually meant. And I have to say, I didn't know what it did either in terms of the actual data that it checks on. To verify that you're not a robot, what it does is it will look at your browsing history of what you've looked at in the last, actually when I looked into it, six months. And the clicks that you've made on uh, the site to establish that your patterns are human and not a robot. But looking into this, you have to, as a user of, um, if you've got a website which actually puts on the capture, which is what it's called, which has a very cool, it's a cool acronym, which I think it stands for, if I can very quickly find it, it includes, the T stands for Turing, so it's something around the computerized central computer assisted technology Turing test to so it's linked to Alan Turing to test that it's whether it the function is robot or human, which I thought was quite interesting and obviously I can't quite remember what the full acronym was. We'll pop it in the comments if we can find it. So yes, essentially, because it's essentially using cookies to try and look at what's is there a previous Google Analytics cookie on your computer because the capture tool is is actually owned by Google, it will then establish what your patterns of usage of other sites and that site have been to that point to just compare that against what a bot would do and the bot falls over because it's so easy that um, the bot can't actually cope with it because the bot's programmed to do certain things because what a bot is trying to do is probably hack a password. I thought that was quite interesting but the challenge for companies is if you're using that particular tool you should you a in Google's terms and conditions they state you have to be clear about that to your users in your privacy policy that you're using that tool and be clear about what it does and obviously then there's the challenge around cookie consent which if you're going to use non-essential cookies you have to get consent before you place the cookie so again there's then the argument or the establishment about whether or not this is an essential cookie for the security of your information on the website versus whether it's a non-essential cookie but bear in mind the analysis it does you'd need to make that assessment so it's worth reading the privacy policy for that Google has for you to use that service and also make sure you are very clear about that within your own terms and conditions and that if you do deem it necessary that you make consent available to people and that they therefore then don't have to use it but then think about the implications on your your own security. So I think it's just briefly worth mentioning that the when we uh, talk about consent and cookies we are referring back to the privacy electronic communications regulation um, which uses the definition of consent that is defined in gdpr so uh, it's just worth mentioning that but as that is really interesting because i wonder how many individuals like i said that like we weren't aware of that that 
should now go back to look if they use it, look at their privacy policy and then update it because a privacy policy should be a live a live document on your website. Absolutely. And it's all about the transparency. And again, I think that's then where that links into the TikTok story. So I saw this posted by um, a connection on, on LinkedIn essentially a an individual who works in reverse engineering apps for companies and figuring out how to build APIs that link into those apps then for the companies working for took TikTok and um, reverse engineered it to find out what it did and what the sorts of data that it was collecting was and he was pretty horrified to say the least about the volumes of data that were being sent back and bear in mind that um, if I just say it's a Chinese video sharing social networking service and um, this information goes back to the Chinese government, that should maybe cause a few people some questions that they might want to ask about whether or not you're happy about the levels of data that might be being shared and what insight or what, what might be happening with that data. Certainly TikTok is the fourth most popular iPhone download last year in 2019 so it's it's really popular i've certainly seen it in lockdown that there's more and more people getting onto the tiktok craze i have to happily say that i have never downloaded it never quite seen the appeal myself but um yeah i think when you look at what it's downloading and he reverse engineered it and immediately apparently the app then starts to change the way it works because it recognizes the fact that you're trying yeah. to reverse engineer it and it doesn't want you to know it's trying to hide the fact of the data that it's sending back there's a lot of information about your phone the operating model the number different types of hardware software it's got in other apps that are on your phone including deleted ones everything to do with your network so your wi-fi network your operating systems all the so whether that's your home network or your work network um again yeah. If you're transmitting data over that, that's information that's being shared. There's very distinct location tracking through GPS pinging. And he compared it to the levels of data that Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp send back and said that it was not even a drop in the ocean um, compared to what TikTok is collecting and sending back on its users. And that's then in addition to the levels of kind of user security around children being connected to and potentially connected to individuals who want to try and uh, engage with them in ways that they shouldn't be so yeah i mean his final statement was don't use tiktok don't let your friends use it yeah. just don't so it's a, a little word of warning as much as you can love the crazes and they can be they can be fun and that there are, are fun things out there it's the same as the face app you know when you're looking at aging yourself what would you look like as a as a member of the opposite sex or you know generally if you're getting something for free and it's using your data there's a reason for why that's the craze that's happening it's why data is valuable to somebody somewhere and it's always worth considering are you very happy about that and do you fully know and the transparency if they're trying to hide what's being sent then that for me is a huge red flag no absolutely and i think i find it incredibly intriguing and i think part of it might be because when you download the app you, people will not read the privacy notice it's just too long. It's not clear enough about what it's done. And it's probably in there says that it's a Chinese company and probably does give some indication because one of the questions um, when I was talking about this article with someone was, well, why are the authorities not doing anything about it? I was like, well, if, if TikTok have actually told you what they're doing, they may not have disclosed everything, but if they've kind of been transparent in the privacy policy, then you've just accepted it because you want the latest craze. And you're absolutely right. They're monetizing you. If it's free, you are the product. So I'd be interested to see if, if anyone listens to this, what their views are as to whether or not they would stop using it. And the reason I ask that is because all with the Facebook scandal, what, two years ago, there was a dip in the amount of people that used Facebook. And then about a month after, there was a massive surge. So why do we not consider our privacy and things that people want to know about us, yet we get incredibly vexed 
about maybe information our employer is holding about us that could genuinely be of use. It may be a step too far in some cases, but it's that line of, well, what's acceptable in your private life to give away for free versus your uh, work life? Absolutely. And I think uh, just as a brief comment there, I think Facebook's done a very good job of embedding itself into so many aspects of our lives. It's very difficult to not be part of it and not ostracize yourself from just genuine connection with friends because everybody uses it. Yeah, and more so probably through uh, lockdown. I think that now that we've probably discovered that a lot of our listeners use TikTok (laughs) and have been using it through lockdown, possibly with their children or just with their friends, it might be worth touching on the kind of the BBC article that you shared um, with me about what uh, some employers, some large employers globally are starting to ask their employees now that they're coming back into the the workforce in order to try and manage the, the COVID situation. Interesting because it ranges from thermal detectors, which caused a lot of people out outrage when Heathrow were considering doing this yet Ford uh, Motors are, are considering this lanyards which have a little Bluetooth beacon mm-hmm. in it it will allow you to know if you're in proximity with someone else within the social distancing and uh, one thing that was scrapped by a particular company was having a wristband that would give you a little tingle if you get got close within the within the 1.5 meters or two meters, uh, they scrapped that because they thought it was a little bit too intrusive. So I think that as an employee, your employers need to be able to manage your health and safety. You want to feel safe when you go to work, and you have the right to feel that. And that's a health and safety uh, requirement, not necessarily not just a data protection. But we also need to be careful about what we're collecting, why we're collecting, and how long. And I think that's my biggest concern is how long will this information be kept for after the pandemic eases? Because is there then the temptation to keep it forever? Um, is that there are now software, because people are working at home, um, com- some companies are able to access computers, take screenshots of what you're doing via your keystrokes on your computer can determine how efficient you're working. So there is this kind of like, stealth monitoring of staff whilst they're working at home that they may not be aware of and that was kind of a little bit eye-opening to me and thinking back to the point about transparency is if you're going to do this you need to tell your staff absolutely and i think that's the concern really because i've seen um, a couple of again in that bbc article it's mentioned and i've spoken to a couple of people who are looking at introducing things like um, cctv for monitoring purposes to see whether people are complying with social distancing or wearing their personal protective equipment, which if it's deemed to be reasonable, that's okay. And as long as you're transparent about the reasons for it and how you're going to use that data. And I think the concern is that sort of management levels will think that this is a good idea and introduce it and make it and and just do it. But without actually informing, telling staff that this is what's happening, this is why it's happening, it's not going to be used for any other purposes. But once data is collected, there's always that temptation. So having a chat with an HR connection the other week and she mentioned that they'd she'd seen a, a one of these productivity tools and that people were intrigued to using it to see you know how people were working were they logged in were they uh, how productive were they being for the organization and then when she challenged them on how that would then be used there was sort of considerations about potential for it being used in 
disciplinaries or you know if you're trying to make decisions about redundancies and that's a very difficult line to go down because how are you how are you actually benchmarking that just because somebody's at their computer keystroking or what they're doing are they being as productive maybe they've just figured out a way around the system or maybe somebody who needs to be working at particular times of the day because they're challenged with childcare, they might still be as productive just by not by the measure of the the computer and so it's a very very difficult to introduce those systems without really considering what the wider impact will be on different members of staff and then how you make sure that they're aware of that and how it'll be used and how you make sure you don't give in to that temptation to use it inappropriately because if you're not transparent you're going to end up with all sorts of challenges from your staff and both you know hr employment law issues which obviously we're not qualified really to talk about but more so uh, in addition you've got the data protection issues around potential subject access requests being asked about how that data is collected why what it shows them and having to disclose that information back and be very clear and transparent at that point what you have been collecting which then could be embarrassing for the company about what they've been doing without telling people yeah and i would say before we just wrap this up that companies have been fined where they have used data for a different purpose where they haven't told people about so you have to be clear about your purpose for processing and only process it for that and if you decide to change that you need to do all the necessary risk assessments and have an appropriate lawful basis because if you don't you are someone will complain and guess what i remembered what the acronym was it's (laughs) the so capture stands for completely automated public turing test to tell computers and humans apart Wow, that rolls out the tongue really nicely. So <laughs> I'm not surprised you couldn't remember it immediately. So, well, this has been cool. I think some of the things that we've talked about nicely link into our new uh, GDPR toolbox that we've just launched in terms of handling subject access requests and practical ways of working in terms of communicating with your staff. If you are interested and um, would like a demo of the toolbox, please uh, email us at coffee at dbxuk.com as well as continue to engage with us about things that you want us to talk about. Uh, it's been a pleasure, uh, Regina, talking as to always. you. Have you back on board? I'm I will there. again be uh, swanning off next week as it's my birthday. So I've really taken yet another day off. So outrageous. So we wish her a happy birthday and then I will be uh, joined by a guest next week. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a nice day. Listen to, or you'll hear us again soon. Bye.